0: Hey, we want to begin with a big thank you for joining us today on Faith in Your Recovery. We look forward to what we have to share. It should be a fun time as well as very informational, but above all, we believe it'll be helpful. Uh, We've recognized, we've realized no two paths to recovery are the same. We have with us somebody today who's going to share her path. I'll introduce you to her here in a moment. But it's Mallory Hutchison. Mallory's been there, done that, and she's got the scourged proven. It. But it doesn't stop there. That's the exciting part. Christ has redeemed her from the darkness of childhood trauma, prostitution, transgenderism, addiction, codependency, depression, and anxiety. That's that's quite a list there. Her goal is to speak to and to reach young people and women to let them know that they have a true identity that's not defined by hollywood not defined by society but defined by jesus christ and she has found that identity she claims it and she's gonna share it here today. Mallory, before you start sharing your story, I think it's important that you let the folks know who your husband is, uh, and then I'll follow up on that, okay? So go ahead, I, I don't say that to demean you, but I want the folks to know that connection. Go ahead and tell them.
1: Yes sir, so my husband is uh, Joshua Hutchison, aka Clean Slate Music, the uh, the Christian rapper.
0: We had Josh in our last episode, and we ended his episode by leaving the tease that we would have you in this episode. So I wanted to follow up with that to give the folks the answer. It was a great episode. I'm sure it's going to provide great responses. We're looking forward to yours as well. Uh, That's that's got to be a challenging thing, not because of who— Josh is, but because both of you being in the professional field together, uh, both of you being into Christian rap, hip hop, whatever you may label it, that's got to make for some very interesting conversations as well as experiences. Yes,
1: I would say so. Um, it's it's not so much doing the music together, but it's um, it's focusing on the walk at the same time. Um. Being up on stage together is really fun. Working on music together is really fun. Um, the creative process is amazing, but it's it's focusing on Jesus through all of it and treating each other kindly.
0: And getting to do that together—that idea of focusing on Jesus together as a godly couple—as uh, as examples to folks who are listening, folks who may be in the venue, folks who may hear it. You know, over the airwaves of some type in any way that together you've got that to share, yes, sir. What is it that led you to to the hip hop music uh yeah, rapping is there a difference in your mind? Let me ask that i I don't know, so what is the difference in rap and hip hop
1: um as far as I'm aware because I'm not actually cultured in those things. I don't know if there is a difference, but I have a feeling there might be. Okay.
0: All right. Well, for today's purposes, we're going to call them nearly identical. Okay. That works for me. We can live with that. All right. Why did you choose that genre of music? Was Josh already into it? So it was an easy slide or... Yeah, was another laying of your heart that got you there?
1: So um, I actually did not like rap until until I heard Christian rap. I, I started writing my own rap lyrics when I was 18 years old. Um, and I, I heard artists like Andy Mineo and um, I guess uh, KB Lecrae and Kalichi and Nikki Gracious and I wanted to be able to tell my story and glorify God as well because I've never heard anybody rap about the good things. I only heard just the darkness and the terrible things. Um and I wanted to be able to tell my story the same way. Um I didn't meet Josh until um until I went to a Nikki Gracious concert and he was there performing on the Stand Up Be Delivered tour um with Nikki and um, we met and we talked, I shared my testimony with him, and uh, he, we talked about working together. And that's that's actually how we met and how we took off.
0: That's interesting. That was going to be one of the questions later, so you've already helped us with that. Thank you, that's much appreciated. Uh, so those were some of the major music influencers in your life, that list you just gave us. As
1: far yes. as rap.
0: Yes. Uh, If it wasn't rap that you were doing, what would be your genre? What's your favorite genre outside of rap Um, or hip hop? I
1: I like everything from pop to electronic and dance. So there's no telling what I would have gotten into.
0: Kind of a buffet of music for you. Yes, as far as your interests go. Okay, that's cool. Name an artist outside of rap, outside of hip-hop, that you really appreciate their music.
1: Um, There's a band called Hands Like Houses that um, has always heavily inspired me.
0: That's interesting. I don't think I'm familiar with them, but there's a lot of music I'm not familiar with my age. Okay, so uh, I thank you for your willingness to help me. Yes, sir. What makes what makes your Mallory bees? What makes your music unique? Makes it separates it from others. I didn't say lifts it above or makes it any lower, but what's the difference in your music and others that you hear?
1: So, um, well, it's my it's my story. As far, as far as I know, that's, that's unique to me. Um, I have also, I think there's a, a particular niche when it comes to uh, female rappers. And um, a lot of the female rappers that I know of, I sound different from them because I take on a slightly more masculine tone for the most part. Whereas um, they often veer towards more feminine. And I, I don't know why, I just always love, you know, pushing that power.
0: Okay? Okay. Are there many female rap artists?
1: Um, there are a lot of them, but they're not there aren't many that are very popular.
0: Okay. They haven't uh, we don't recognize them by name because of that at this time. Yeah. That makes sense and I can accept that. Let's back up now and we're going to come back to the music in those days since Christ changed your life. But as I read your intro there, uh, it's quite a list as it talks about childhood trauma, prostitution, transgenderism, addiction, codependency, depression, anxiety, and I'm sure there is more, but that's, that's enough to begin with there. Yes, sir. Tell us about that stage of your life. Tell us what those things were like Kind of define them experientially, please.
1: Um, how long of a story do you want?
0: <laughs> you go ahead. And if I need to get you stopped, I'll I'll gently do that. Yes, sir. Okay?
1: Um, so um, uh, when I was young, my uh, my parents were alcoholics. I didn't I didn't know my real dad. Uh, my mom had remarried uh, when I was I don't know a few years old. Um. And my stepdad didn't really have a whole lot of love for me. Uh, he worked, and he, you know, took care of the household. That was that was his thing. Um, but there wasn't really love, empathy. Um, they were alcoholics, and my mom and my stepdad they would get into fights a lot, very physical fights. Um, over the years, I was abused. I didn't realize what it was, um, but I was very poorly mistreated. I was isolated from the world. Um, there were times where I would be grounded from going outside for a year at a time, wasn't allowed to read books during that time. Um, I didn't see friends that often when I wasn't in school. Uh, I was pulled out of public school for two and a half years, I want to say. But beside all that, it was the, it was the beatings for me. Um, and then uh, at 17 years old, Um, I was sexually abused, and that shattered my world. Um, I left home uh, shortly before turning 18, and I moved down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast to go stay with my aunt, where I just had no sense of who I was. Um, For six years leading up to that, I had considered myself to be a transgender boy because... I felt like I was, I felt like I, I could be somebody else. I felt like I could be better than what I was. And I felt like it was the girl, me, the real me. I felt like it was her fault that all of those things had happened. And I wanted to, I wanted to bury her. And so I created this person that I thought would make my life better. And, um, I tried to become that person. Um, um, I had planned to go through top surgery, hormones, everything. Um, I, when I moved down to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, I started having my friends and family call me by the new name that I had created, and I insisted that they use the pronouns that I had, and I was very comfortable in that, in that hole. Um, I was so severely depressed that I could not – it together I couldn't really I couldn't save any money um I was I started going to the club every night once I turned 18 just about um I when my aunt said hey look you gotta you gotta start saving some money you gotta get this figured out you need to go to therapy whatever we're behind you I kind of just freaked out and moved out um and I got
0: how old were you at that time
1: um I was 18 still Okay. Okay. And so um, I stayed with her for about six months before I, before I moved out. Um, and so I, I moved in with a friend, stayed there for a while. Um, I got in a car wreck, lost my car, and I was walking a couple of hours to work and back every day. Um, eventually, something happened at work. Um, I quit, and uh, I ended up with some really bad folks. And I had no idea what hard drugs were. I had never taken a pill in my life. Uh, I was smoking marijuana at the time, but that was it. Um, I, um, I ended up getting dropped off at an apartment full of um, addicts and eventually ended up in a hotel with some of these guys and they ended up prostituting me for heroin money. And um, eventually I started doing it myself because I was, I was at the end of my rope I had I didn't even want my life and so I said if it's so great let me try it too. Um shortly after that uh I did that for a month and then um I ended up going off with somebody else and I became a meth addict and uh a month later I ended up in jail with uh two felony charges. And um yeah
0: it sounds like you went through the whole cycle there and uh, tried about everything you could. And I don't mean just drugs, mm-hmm. but behaviors, the uh, the battle with the transgenderism yes. and everything, that there was certainly a lack of value, self-worth, identity. Yes. You were confused, and you were just hunting for comfort at some time. Yes. Uh, that it, would be my take on it. Okay. And I don't want to poke words in your mouth, but uh, I think that's what I'm hearing there. Yes, sir. So, of, of all of that, which one, I, I don't know if you can answer this, which one of those was the hardest for you to break? To stop, which one bothered you the most personally that you knew when you were committing this one that was the lowest you you could be?
1: Um, are we talking about drugs or are we talking about in general things that were happening?
0: In general, things that were happening, including drugs. So, if it was the addiction,
1: so, um. I would say I was at my absolute lowest when I was a prostitute. Um, now, okay. it wasn't hard to break that. I happily ran away from that as fast as I could. Um, the hardest thing for me to break was actually codependency, relying on the comfort of having a man with me.
0: How long would you say that was a battle for you? Um, Uh, I know we all have some codependency, but obviously yours was over the top.
1: It definitely was. Um, I struggled with it for the next five, six, seven years.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, How much... How much pain did this bring you? How much angst? How much, you know, frustration? Uh, what, what were your emotions like during that time? Or did they matter?
1: Um, during the time leading up to heading to jail, when all this was going on? Yes, yes. Intense, intense depression. Um, I was suicidal at the time. Uh, like I said, I didn't even want my life. Uh, once it got to the point of, I think after a couple of weeks of prostituting in the hotels, I started writing. I started writing notes to myself. I didn't show them to anybody, but just trying to work it out. I would write in a journal, and I just remember making lists of the way that I wanted to, the way that I wanted to commit suicide, um, and I was going to do it one night after a month. And um, so I texted somebody to tell them goodbye, um, to let them know everything that had been going on, and they convinced me not to, and I escaped instead. But it was very intense depression, and I lost all sense of self, and it was it was terrible. It was like just pure darkness.
0: You've talked about that time frame before you were imprisoned or jail, whatever it was there, incarcerated. Mm -hmm. I can say that. I know. What happened to you? Did life change during incarceration? Was that a benefit as you look back? Was it another battle to
1: fight? What
0: was that like for you, Mallory?
1: Well... I will tell you that um, going to jail was the best possible thing that could have happened to me at that time. Um, I don't regret going to jail for one second because it was in the jail that God sat me down and he forced me to look at him and his almighty glory. And um, I had run from him. I had turned away from him. I said I wanted no part of Christianity if if my parents were the face of Christianity I wanted no part of it and um he forced me to sit down and said now look you're going to find out who I really am not what these people portray me to be but you're going to see me I um I started going to their little Bible studies in jail and uh I I got the Bible studies in I started reading through the four gospels with a fresh set of eyes and as I read through them I believed that Jesus really really lived and really went through all these things really died on the cross for our sins and that he came to show us love the love of God and I believed for the first time like I really believed and so I uh, I call my incarceration like a Bible boot camp because it seemed like every month the Holy Spirit was putting me through different situations and different lessons that taught me something else about how to walk. Um, and I did fall after I got out of jail. It took falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up for me to get where I'm at now.
0: I have always said that Jesus exists in the trenches and the stenches mm-hmm. of life, that uh, Jesus has been to jail, uh, maybe not for illegal purposes, but uh, he's oftentimes met there, found there, connected with their experience there. What? What was it that? that made that seem real to you? You know, in desperation, you can imagine anything, and your mind had been a myriad of places through your experiences. What made that moment different, made it real, made it worth following up on?
1: So, um, like I said, all my life I ran, I ran from the, the theology of Christianity. I searched for things in Scientology and, and, you know, psychology and stuff like that. Um, I was getting into some weird stuff. And so I was looking for my answers in the wrong places. But when I read the Gospels, it was, I can only say that it was the Holy Spirit that said, this is the truth. Um, Jesus wanted everything that I wanted. And I never knew that until I read it for myself. And it, it was it was like salve to burn wounds, and it, it was the healing presence of the Holy Spirit, and I believe, I, that's all I can say, is it, it was the Holy Spirit.
0: He, uh, he's known as the Balm of Gilead, and uh, he was that salve to your wound, obviously. Is there a particular Bible story from the Gospels that sticks out in your mind that has kind of been an inspirational piece, something you've held on to? It's foundational to you.
1: So um, I would say that um, I don't remember the verse at the moment, but um, sure, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. <laughs> And all these things shall be added unto you. That has always stuck with me. I've always referred back to that. And not only that, but also all of the verses about singing, um, I've, held, I've held on to those too.
0: Well, I can understand that, especially where you're at in life now, that those would have an impact on you. And the idea of song, what I love about music, I have zero absolutely zero musical skills. I was a pastor for 35 years, and in all seriousness, they turned my mic off when we sang, okay? <laughs> and uh if they didn't, I'd see people going like this, meaning stop singing. I was not helping it, but I know music that I like when I hear it, and I know the power that it has the influence it can have on your life. It can raise you to a mountaintop or drop you in the valley. Uh, You were talking earlier about certain rap music being dark. Uh, Music can be, (laughs) it can bring the sun on a cloudy day. We need to recognize that it can not just touch our lives, but set our mood and uh, dictate our response. So, yeah, yeah, What's a, what's it mean to you to know that your music can do that same for others? I know that God gives you the heart. God gives you the skill. God, the Holy Spirit leads you to write those words. But what's it like knowing you have that potential? And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But when God's gifted us, we have a responsibility to use it.
1: So that's exactly the word that I was going to use: responsibility. Um, it's 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 wild thinking that that the Lord has given me something that I can use to influence others, whether it be for good or for evil. Um, I'm used to being, you know, the person at the bottom, and so. You know, I've always been pushed this way and that or pressured this way and that. And so the responsibility that I have been blessed with to do this, even though it's not very big, I'm excited that God would trust me with it. But I'm also very, very, uh, I step carefully.
0: With responsibility goes accountability. So uh, we've got to make sure we're honoring him with the gift that he gave us. Yes, What's it like to to step on stage and there's five hundred people a thousand fifteen hundred people out there and knowing that for the next three and a half minutes of your song they're going to be hanging on to your words, wanting to know what you've got to say
1: it um it can really be terrifying sometimes um a lot of times while I'm up there singing or rapping the things that are going through my head are always focusing on my lyrics or, you know, just having a good time. A lot of times it's, it's fear. It's, it's what if they don't receive what I'm saying? What if it's just going in one ear and out to the other? What if they don't like it? What if I'm not bringing anything to the other artists that are here? Um, but a lot of times it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really exciting. Um, I can feel that God is is using me for the purpose that He put me here for when I'm when I'm up there.
0: You hit on my career there as a pastor. You have each one of those thoughts as you're sharing that message. Is what I'm does what I'm saying truly matter, or am I just wasting their time? in my time with gibber jab right uh is it worth carrying home is it worth telling somebody else about now i know god's word is that's not what i mean but my speaking of god's word is it worthy my sharing yes yes is it what he's wanting it to do i know it says it won't return into him void But, man, he's got to do a lot of work sometimes. And I've always said that I appreciate the distance between the pulpit and the pew because then the Holy Spirit can take my mumbling jumbling and he can work with it and get it into your heart the way he wanted you to hear it. When somebody's leaving a church service and says, I love the way you said this or that, and I go, I don't remember saying that that, that one wasn't me. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what I love it because I know the Holy Spirit directed it into their moment.
1: Amen. That's encouraging. And that,
0: yeah. And I I, I guess yours is much the same way. Yes. You may stumble or mumble, but God can straighten it out before it gets to their hearts. And man Amen. am I ever thankful for that. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. What what's one thing you look forward to career-wise as far as your uh your music ministry goes?
1: Um I really something that I look forward to with my music is um uh, is hearing how it impacts women. I think that's something that I really look forward to hearing. I want women to be encouraged and edified by what I bring.
0: You had said, and I have it here in my quotes somewhere, that it had to do with women finding their true identity doesn't lie in worldly things, but in Christ. Yes, Stretch that out. Tell us more about that. What do you mean by that? What do you wanna say to ladies out there right now who may be going through what you've been through, who are struggling with those identity issues, whatever they may be?
1: So, as we can all see in this world today, People are telling you that, oh, you've got to be this to be beautiful. You've got to do this to be confident. You have to be like this to be independent. You know, when it comes to relationships, people, you know, tell you, oh no, you, you better do it like this or don't let him do this. And it, there are so, there is so much input from a society, a godless society and young women are growing up not knowing how to act. And that was me. And I realized later on, I look back and I see how much the media, how society, how my friends, you know, outside of, you know, the Christian circle influenced my mind and made me want to be rebellious, made me want to be promiscuous. You know, I I ended up having a daughter at a young age because I I didn't think to not engage in such activities until I was married. Um, I I have seen just how bad the state of the world is, how bad the state of America is especially. And it is not good for women. It is not good for young girls. It's not good for anyone. But the young generation and the young women are just getting – they're getting brainwashed
0: and wrecked by evil. Is it easier for you to see that because you lived so much of it that uh, you had that experience, pardon me, on the dark side, in the darkness, the depravity? Uh, you know it when you see it. Yes, sir. Is that what you're saying there in part? Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. What, how do they? How did they change that? How does that woman on you know yeah that woman in the struggle how did she change that?
1: The way I did it was by Jesus Christ by the transformation of the Holy Spirit and so i I don't know I don't know how a woman that's not following Christ would do it. I'm sure that there's absolutely a way, but I had to mature in Christ to even want to become any type
0: of respectable person. I'll respect what you said about maybe there's another way. Uh, I, you made it clear Christ was your way. Can you imagine Christ not wanting to be the way for anybody? Could they be so dark in their past, so ugly in their living, that Jesus would say, no, why don't you uh, find another path? No. I'm going to work with these over here. No. I don't think so. Uh, he leaves the 90, guy, but I just
1: He leaves the 99 to set just one free. And they rejoice over that. one who is saved.
0: Uh that's crazy. It's accurate, but it's crazy. He leaves the crowd and as a world, we seek the crowd. We want a bigger audience. We want somebody else to hear us. And he's stepping aside from the ninety-nine and dealing with one.
1: Because we are equally important one. no matter what, no matter what it is that we've done.
0: Amen. And we've all All of us who have found him have been that one. Yes. Uh, He stepped aside from that church over there that's got 1,500 or 15 in attendance. And he's walked to me who wasn't even in church and uh, found me and brought me into the fold. Yes, sir. Uh, That's exciting stuff. It is. That that lifts us all up. Uh, I know earlier, and I hope I'm not— I'm not saying too much here, but you said this was your first interview. Yes, sir. Yes. By that, do you mean your first podcast or interview of any type? This is my
1: first interview of any kind.
0: Incredible. You can't (laughs) tell it by the way you've responded. Okay. Thank you. And uh, that's been well, that's, that's fact. It's been greatly appreciated. Uh, the name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. Mallory, what does that title mean to you, Faith in Your Recovery?
1: Well, I found faith in my recovery. Uh, I found faith in God during my recovery, and he's the one who led the way
0: it's a good place to be, and it's got to begin with a faith and a belief that he can do it, or at least give him the opportunity to prove it yes. to you, to become your faith. Because basically, as you said a minute ago with the story of the 90 and 9, you have nothing to lose because he's going to stretch his arm as far as he needs to to get a hold of you, yes, to uh, to touch your heart with his will and way. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like the folks to know about uh, Mallory and uh, her husband as a team, or Mallory as an individual, as far as your ministry goes, or your hope for someone's life?
1: Well, absolutely. Um, So I'm sure that my husband mentioned in the last interview that, um, that we have Narrow Path Ministries, a nonprofit dedicated yes. to helping women, men, and families recover from addiction, mental health struggles, trauma, and, um, we also help veterans. We are actually opening our first men's home here in Gulfport, um, on the 16th of this month. And we are very awesome. excited about
0: that. I- Thank you for throwing in that word, veterans. I am a veteran of the U.S. Army, and uh, they are near and dear to my heart. And I think they deserve our effort of going after that. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I know they've got Christ's effort, but they deserve ours as well. Absolutely. I don't say that with arrogance. Yes. Uh, My dad was in World War II. My brother was in Vietnam. I was fortunate enough to be in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, No conflict. But uh, it was certainly worthy of my time, and I'm glad I was able to serve. So uh, is there anything you want to wrap this up with? Uh, Anything else you'd like to say?
1: Um. When a righteous man falls, he gets back up and tries again. He may fall seven times, but he will get back up and try again. Though you may fall in your recovery, you may fall in awful situations, you may fall in abusive relationships, but look to God, seek him, and he will draw near to you
0: relapse happens in all stages of life we're not going to get it perfect in this body with this human organic mind and it's not going to be perfect till we get to the other side there will be no more falling there but the grace Uh, of God covers
1: us
0: amen amen well Mallory thank you Thank you for your time, thank you for your testimony, your boldness to take this step for the first time. You blessed us. I'm sure you've blessed our listeners. Uh, Continue to bless with your music. We'll have you in clean slate. We'll have Josh in prayer. And uh, I'm sure we'll connect again. God bless. God
1: bless you. Take care. Stay in the back. Amen. Amen.